Hello and welcome to Spiraling Upwards, where we are in pursuit of real holiness of life as a daily response to grace in the companionship of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the love of God the Father. I am Father Robert Healy, and I am delighted to welcome you to Episode 2. Today we will be talking about knowing God and loving God, and how the knowledge of God and the love of God are connected in the Christian life, um, especially in the contemplative life, and what that means, what those are. So I'd like to get into this discussion today on this wonderful December 6th. It's the Feast of St. Nicholas of Santa Claus. Uh, and what a great day to talk about knowing and loving God, because St. Nicholas uh, is known for his generosity, known for his goodness, the goodness of his heart to other people. And what did, where did that come from? It came from his knowledge of God and his love of God. That might seem like an obscure statement, but I hope that by the end of the day, it'll, it'll be a little more uh, accessible because of the fact that the very Christian life is intensely about these two things and drawing them together. And so I'd simply like to start today by uh, by looking at chapter 17 of St. John's Gospel. And the first three verses and the, fir- the last three verses of this chapter tell us a great deal, because uh, up to chapter 17, for the last four chapters of St. John's Gospel, uh, St. John has been recording what our Lord has been speaking to the disciples, to the apostles at the Last Supper. And so the verse just before, the very last verse of chapter 16, he says, In the world you will only find tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So he's speaking to his apostles as he says these really encouraging words. But when we enter into chapter 17, the very next verse, we discover he turns his attention away from his apostles in some sense, not because he's turning away from them, but because he's turning it toward God the Father. And we enter into a prayer as the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, is speaking to the Father, the first person of the Holy Trinity. And this is what he says. Thus Jesus spoke to them, and then, lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the time has come. Give glory now to thy Son, that thy Son may give the glory to thee. Thou hast put him in authority over all mankind to bring eternal life to all those thou hast entrusted to him. Eternal life is knowing thee, who art the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I love these three verses. I love the passion and and the personal quality of this prayer as our Lord is speaking to his Father, almost as though he, he's forgotten about the fact that his apostles are, are there, and he just gets drawn into this very intimate speech uh, to his Father as he says, Now the time has come. You glorify me, that I may glorify you. Right? This is, and, and, and what is eternal life? What is the eternal life that he wants to give, that he has been given the authority over all mankind in order to give? To those who uh, who are entrusted him, eternal life is knowing thee, the one true God. And so at the very heart of our faith is a recognition that knowledge of God is necessarily uh, the bridge, not just to 
not just to um, having a degree or having, you know, becoming some sort of expert. Knowledge of rocks, for instance, if you're a, 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 a not just a hobbyist, you know, in, in geology, but, you know, someone who's passionate about theology, uh, uh, geology, you're studying the, uh, the layers of rocks um, in order to really have an understanding of, uh, of maybe the age of the world or maybe um, the, the makeup composition of things that you can't see. You know, all sorts of things. But, but the geologist never knows the rocks. He might know a lot about them, but there's nothing about the cliffside that, that um, the geologist is studying and seeing the, the patterns of the stone and where, where the veins are and what's the direction of, uh, in which everything seems to be standing. He's never known back. There's not a mutual knowledge. The knowledge of God when we say the knowledge of God, we might think, well, is this the, the knowledge that God has? Or is the knowledge we have of God? And I think the answer is yes. Yes, it is. Both. It is the knowledge that God has for us. Is What sort of knowledge does God have for us? Well, suppose I made a go-kart. And I made it with a really, very special engine and I had designed it, all sorts of things, and this go, go-kart uses gasoline because I gave it a gas engine. And, um, and I know that you just have to do this in order to get, you, you know, you can't get it into gear unless you, unless you kind of pull it out to a little bit because I know all the finicky aspects of this go-kart because I made it, and it's imperfect because I made it. And so maybe it's one of these goofy go-karts where you have to kind of yank the steering wheel to the left in order to get it into park or in yank it to the right in order to get it into drive. Anyway, totally fictitious. I've never made a go, go-kart, although I want to. That'd be so much fun. But the go-kart won't get to know me, so let's get back on topic. The go-kart, I know everything about it because I made it and I put it together. And if somebody comes in and is getting in there and doesn't know how it works and is trying to make it work and it's not working for him, I say, look here, you know, I, I made it. I know he can say, how do you get this to work? Um, so what is the knowledge of, that God has for us? It's exhaustive. It's an exhaustive knowledge of us because he made us and he knows how we tick and he knows what we need. And as our Lord is speaking and he says, eternal life is knowing thee who art the only true God. He's expressing his own knowledge of us, the very source of our life, the very nature of a life that never ends, uh, that he wishes to give to us, to give us, to bring eternal life to all those thou hast entrusted to him, right? This eternal life, he's expressing his knowledge of us and of our state and of our needs and of our heart's desire. And he's saying that is knowing God. And so the knowledge of God is a mutual Thing. It's the not we might say the knowledge that God has for us, and the knowledge we have of God, and it's not to try to say that they are one and the same thing, but that they are totally um, intended to be united. Now, this is not always the case, right? God knows me intensely, but I don't know Him as well as He knows me. I don't have an exhaustive knowledge of God. I I might be a total beginner. 
or I might be advanced very much in the spiritual life, and I still don't know everything there is to know about God. But the wonderful thing about God, as opposed to rocks or plants or the things that we can study with the physical sciences, is that God is a being to be known and just as any being, any person that I get to know, if I want to get to know uh, someone um, in my family, uh, you know, take my brother, for instance, or my, or my mom. How do I get to know my brother? Is it just by uh, watching things that he does or, or listening to things that he says? No, it's, it's, it's a mutual thing. It's a revelation, a self-revelation where, where he tells me what he's thinking. And I say, well, that's interesting. I wasn't thinking that, but I can totally see now that this is what you are thinking. Why? Because you tell me. And so to know my brother or to know my mother or to know someone in my family or one of my friends or someone in my parish or, you know, is to know what that person reveals about himself. It's not just that we are supposed to sit in our armchair and, and try to know everything we possibly can about God. It's that God wants us to know him. This is the very eternal life he has, he has made us for, is to know him. And he knows that that's what we need, and so he wants to give it to us. And so this is the first thing I want to draw out in today's, in today's podcast, is simply this reality that the knowledge of God needs to be a mutual thing. Not just me sitting in my, in my armchair in my room and saying, no, 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 I'm just going to figure it out for myself. But I really need, in some sense, if I'm going to know God, I really need to meet him. I really need to talk to him. I really need to encounter him. I need him to give me feedback. Because if I say, there's this person that I found in the phone book. I don't know anything about this person except his name. So I need to sit in my armchair and devise some idea of who this person is so I can get to know them. You would say, that's nuts. You need to get to know the person if you are going to get to know the person by talking to them, by encountering them. And even, even being a total snoop and getting on Facebook and looking up everything, I can, oh, this person goes to such and such college and, or went to such and such college, got this certain, certain degree and, and got a, I could know everything about the person, but I don't really know them until I meet them, until I encounter them, and most especially until that person reveals to me who he or she is. And that revelation, that self-revelation is intensely desirable. That's why we want to get to know people. That's why we have friends. That's why a young man and young woman who meet each other and begin to love each other want to know everything about each other. And that actually becomes a, a wonderful segue into the next part of what I want to talk about, which is actually at the end of St. John's Gospel, excuse me, at the end of chapter 17, uh, the, the last three verses, and this again is our Lord speaking to God the Father, and he says this, so let the world know, pay attention to the word now, right? So let the world know that it is thou who hast sent me, and that thou hast bestowed thy love upon them as thou hast bestowed it upon me. Okay, I backed up just halfway into verse 23. I didn't start right at the start of 24. So let me start this again. So let the world know that it is thou who hast sent me and that thou hast bestowed thy love upon them as thou hast bestowed it upon me. 
This, Father, is my desire, that all those whom thou hast entrusted to me may be with me where I am, so as to see my glory, thy gift made to me in that love which thou didst bestow upon me before the foundation of the world. Father, thou art just. The world has never acknowledged thee, but I have acknowledged thee. And these men have acknowledged that thou didst send me. I have revealed and will reveal thy name to them, so that the love thou hast bestowed upon me may dwell in them, and I too may dwell in them. Okay, what are we seeing here? What is this beautiful uh, statement that our Lord is making to us as he's speaking to his Father? It is, you might say, that this love which has existed in the heart of the Trinity, what is the Trinity? In the teaching of the Catholic Church, the Trinity is is a unity of love. You know, if I want to get to know someone or to love them, um, I need to have someone to love. This is the direct object of my of my love. And and if a person is is saying, I really really love, and there's no object there, this or you or or watching TV or <laughs> driving through the countryside, um, we haven't even figured out what kind of love that is. So to love someone involves a knowledge of that person that I love and loving them. And if God needed us in order to love us, then he would have necessarily had to create us in order to, in order to be loving. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making this clear. But this is the teaching of the church with regard to the Trinity, that God didn't need us in order to be loving. In or, that is, God didn't need to make me in order to love me. God was loving before I existed. And he was loving before he created my parents, or my grandparents, or my great-grandparents, or my great-great-grandparents, right? Before I existed, God was already love. In fact, what I discover is, that, is, is not that God loves me because he encounters me like I encounter him and I fall in love with him because I get to know him and I discover how wonderful this God is. Uh, it's God loves me and that's why he made me. He makes me because of his love for me. God has an idea and he says, oh, you know what? I love this idea and I want to make this idea a reality and then I'm created. And every single one of us was created by an absolute act of the will of God because every single one of us, our body comes from the the physical union of our parents, but our soul, our immortal soul, our faith teaches us our immortal soul was created out of nothing by God at the moment of our conception and joined to the body uh, that he created at that, at that moment of, of conception. And this is so wonderful because we discover is that the love God has always had, that God has always been love. In the Trinity, between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is a communion of love just overflowing into the world. And the result of that tremendous love is something completely gratuitous and complete, gratuitous, completely unnecessary. 
That is the creation of life, the creation of beings, not only of creatures that, are, that reflect his goodness and his glory and his power, like bears or, or his huge wisdom, uh, um, you know, the mountains and the clouds and everything beautiful that we see in nature that reflects the glory of God, but to create especially creatures who are capable of recognizing and loving him for it and recognizing him and seeing who he is in and through that creation. And so God didn't need to make us. He didn't need to create us. Um, he did it completely out of his love for us. And the more we get to know that God, the more we're going to discover that the whole reality of our own being is, you might say, his love for us. That the more I get to know the, the being who brought me into existence out of his absolute goodness and love, and the fact that he came up with an idea and said, you know what, I, I want to make him. I want to make him. And so he made me. Glory be to God. He made you too because he loves you. And he wants to be known by you. And so at the very heart of the Christian life is, is this knowledge of God. That before, before we even talk about living the Christian life and living uh, um, the commandments and following the teachings of our Lord, we're already we're realizing that that all happens in the context of being known by him and being loved by him. And the more I get to know, the more I get to know such a loving God, the more I'm bound to love him. And the more I love him, the more I wanted to get to know him. And this actually is, you might say, just going a little bit deeper into the idea behind spiraling upwards. That is that it's somewhat of a spiral upwards. This is actually the origin of the idea. I didn't, I didn't get into this last week, just wanted to get the idea, but the, the idea of spiraling upwards that, that kind of initiated this podcast was from consideration of the fact that the more we get to know him, the more we get to love him. And the more we get to love him, the more we want to get to know him. And the more we get to know him, the more we... And this, and this uh, building of knowledge that builds our, our love for the God who made us and, and draws us into deeper knowledge of him and deeper love for him and greater knowledge and greater love. Uh, and that is intended to go on for eternity. And so, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let's get to know him not just to, let's not sit in our, our armchairs and try to imagine, but we're going to see that the whole Christian life is intended to be something in which we are encountering the very God who made us, who knows us and loves us and wants us to know him and to love him so as to be able to live our lives in conformity with his will. 